Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, alongside, as always, Paul Gillieri. Paul, we have, um, there are three other faces on this, on this recording today that aren't usually there. Can you tell me who's on there? Well, we've got Lenny Prado. We've got Luis Caetano. Did I say that right, Luis? I did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've got uh, Nicholas Magnani. Yeah, Nicholas, Nick Miani, let's say that. Miani, okay, fantastic. (laughs) It's Black Circle, everybody. It's Black Circle. Thanks, guys. Hello, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're back. Back again. Yeah. Basically, we figured out that there's there, there's only so long people can go listening to Jason and I before they get tired of us. So we, we bring you guys in just to spice things up. My wife says the same thing every single day. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. So awesome, guys. Well, today is a special day. Um, I think there's an album out now there's there's an album is this true oh yeah oh, yeah <laughs> we're releasing mercury today it's out yeah. baby the day's finally arrived finally uh yeah. we've got it everywhere all of your streaming platforms all your downloading sources uh you can buy a vinyl in three different formats from lenoise.ca in canada and u.s holy moly we've got so many things to cover here um, I'm just going to start by asking, how did this album come about? We, everyone knows you as a Pearl Jam tribute band, but you have written your own songs. I want to know the course, the story of the album. How did it come about? When did you record it? How long did it take? All that stuff. Who wants to lead this thing off? Um, I could try. Uh, maybe you guys could complete whatever I forget, but uh, it started in uh, 2017. Uh, that's when we, we came with demos, uh, Nick and I. Uh, demos for uh, Disarray, Divide, and Dad, which would become Never Thought I Would later on. And, um, well, we, we recorded uh, guitar, acoustic guitar and voice at Sergio's, Sergio's house. And uh, that led to us going into the studio to record the first two songs, Disarray and Divide. We had no plans of recording an album at the time. It was just, uh, you know, having our music out there because, you know, we were doing lots of uh, uh, tribute shows and people were asking, uh, okay, we've seen the tribute, we like it, but how about your own songs, right? So we, we recorded them both and started playing. So people started singing along and requesting the songs and uh, we figured why not record a few more? And then uh, we kept on recording, like, in a slow pace because we were playing. And, uh, well, by 2019, I believe, we released the third single, uh, right, guys? Which was Penguins, Penguins of Butterflies. And uh, there we already had plans. We were thinking of an album at the time. Uh, 
and uh we just didn't we were not sure how to release it like a song by song or a full record or just an ep of like five songs we we didn't know yet uh we were really focused on uh the tribute uh still but then uh we kept on recording having ideas uh and by the time quarantine started in 2020 like march 2020 we pretty much we had i think like seven songs maybe and then two songs they they were born during quarantine uh which were uh, really? autumn autumn theory and uh low white ceiling uh so nick wrote the first one i wrote the, the yeah. second but we didn't go into the studio to to you know to play together to rehearse um we just uh you know people kept recording louise recorded some guitars for for the songs and then sergio and then we figured okay that's how we want the song uh you know to sound like part by part how many uh choruses and solos and how that how it was going to be and then we started recording then we had we had more time now because of the quarantine we were not playing anymore and then we recorded the songs track by track and uh, i think the whole thing was ready by maybe may or june i guess middle of this year and then we've been holding these songs for four or five months i guess four months no june july august september three months uh crazy to release the album we really wanted to but we weren't waiting for the the right moment and you know feels like the right time today I have a two-part quick follow-up, mm -hmm. and one of them is, what's it like trying to write and record music during a quarantine when you're not supposed to be near your bandmates? And the other is, um, was the postponement of the album due to this newfound, um, I guess, fame, maybe in conjunction with the vetters finding out about you? Yeah, uh, I think, uh, well, the, the, the first question... Um, I guess it, it's tough because uh, when we go into when you go into a studio, the song starts one way, and when it's ready, it's a completely not completely different song, but it's you know, it's a different song, uh, and we didn't unfortunately we didn't have that. We couldn't we didn't let the song like grow more than maybe it could it could have been a better song. I don't know, but um, that that was what was taken away from us. But it was it was fun because you know we get we got to see individual ideas uh come into place like separately mm -hmm. and uh i guess i guess that's the, that's the, the difference maybe right not not being able to go to a studio and and have fun with the song mess up with it a little bit and that that didn't didn't happen and the second one you asked about what was the second question what was the delay from having the album ready in May to releasing it in October? Did that have anything to do with the, with like this newfound fame you guys were getting from the Pearl Jam faithful and, and the Vetters specifically? No, I guess not. I guess I, I don't think it was May because May was when we didn't have the other two. Oh, okay. uh, I think it was a, l a little after that. But no, it was because of, you know, we had to, uh, we, we couldn't release everything before we didn't have, before we had the, the, the record, you know, the actual LP, the, the record made or the cds we wanted to release everything together you know sure uh, so we, we we contacted factories and you know places where we could we could make the the what do you call the uh when it's not when it's not digital it's uh Hard Analog? copies? The hard Analog? Copies? Yeah, the hard copies. Vinyl. Thank you. Okay. Vinyl. Uh, and then and then that was it. We wanted to, we had to wait. We wanted to release it before, but we had to wait. And uh now that everything is ready and sent, we can we can have the song, we can make the song available. 
You know, it's, it's interesting listening to you guys describe the process, these songs slowly c- coming together piece by piece over the years. It's almost like each one's like its own little Polaroid photo, you know, and it, it this was from 2017 or, oh, this was that, that time that we had back in 2019. And it, you assemble all these, these, uh, these little photographs together and little by little, it becomes this really eclectic album. It, it, it draws a comparison to, to Pearl Jam's album, No Code, in the sense that when No Code was released, it was a very different sound for the band. And it featured a lot of world beats and eclectic sounds that nobody had heard from the band before. And, and since as that album has, you know, stood the, the, the test of time, a lot of Pearl Jam fans now look back at that album with, with great reverence and they really love it. I couldn't help but notice as I was listening to your album that there is a lot of different influences to the music that you guys write. And you hear a lot of different genres bleeding into the songs. Uh, You have instruments like the harmonica, you have strings, a mandolin, piano, organ. Uh, I'm curious, you know, first of all, who is playing all those instruments, right? And then uh, in addition to that, you know, where did some of those influences come from? I'm going to let Luis take that one. Man, we are very fortunate to have uh, very talented friends. So all of these guys that were playing uh, these different things, they were guys that were already working with us previously, or they were just friends that would collaborate with us. Uh, For example, you got Wagner Monaco. He's the one who did the, he's the co-producer of the album as well. But he did all the all the strings and piano parts. He's a great piano player and a great arranger. So just the fact that we had him inside the studio, just listening to stuff and, and sometimes be like, mm, oh, okay, I like that note. Oh, or maybe I don't I don't like that the way you did that one thing. Shouldn't you try it differently? So he always have a great input. Always had a great input to give, right? And uh, all these other guys, the guys on the harmonica, his name is Fred. Uh, we've played together with him. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a very active local artist here in Rio. So uh, we already knew all of those guys. It was just a matter of uh, getting them to, to go to the studio, calling them and convincing them that that was the right thing to do in a way. So... Uh, yeah, that, was that a second part to this question? I was saying where some of those influences came from. Like, oh uh, yeah, certainly uh, the variety of musicians that you invited to contribute plays a role. But uh, do you feel that that your own, you know, because when you're playing Pearl Jam's music, I think that the more of the catalog that you explore, the more your own playing expands. But in addition to that there's so much music that I'm sure over the years you have all written individually that you love and other bands and other genres that you enjoy. And so I was curious where some of those other influences came from. Right. Uh, uh, Nick, Nick, what's sick this one? Yeah. Go ahead. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit silent today. Uh, well, uh, one of the, um, the first bands I think when I, when I think about when I start writing music, is is actually Foo Fighters, hmm. but it's not intentionally. It's because I, I think that Foo Fighters is more, especially Dave Grohl, who has a, a very uh, creative thing about riffs, about do, uh, creating songs that are very um, 
they are very not not happy, but they are strong, and people always are singing the songs. The the, the chorus are always uh, easy to be sang with the people to to people to sing along. So I I always try to focus a little bit on him, but at this particular album, I try to mix with other influences we have. And uh, well, one influence I, I believe we haven't talked uh, talked about so much. It's Macedon. It's a heavy metal Mas- band. Really, they're yeah. awesome. We love Macedon except for Lenny. <laughs> oh come on! You can't scream like that. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't like heavy metal. I believe, but it's okay. it's, I'm not a heavy metal fan. It's not that I don't like it. It's I just don't know it enough. I'm. I think I know one or two songs. Probably. We need to culture you. Okay. <laughs> uh, we we have a, a huge Macedon influence on this album. So if you if you listen to Autumn Theory, the the last part we, when Louis is doing the solo, his solo sounds like Macedon, and the the, the drum feels I'm doing the. the well, the, the drum parts I'm, I'm playing are very much uh, Macedon-focused. And this is just one of the, the, the influences that we have there are not so much uh, linked to Pearl Jam, but uh, as well as other bands like that. Well, that's a perfect segue to my next question because, you know, as we were saying offline a minute ago, you know, when the first time I listened to this, I was like, wow, this is coming from all over the place. I mean, a song like Pages feels like it could have been this hybrid of Red Mosquito, but then something from Led Zeppelin three, And then you have a song like Disarray that to my ear sounds like Oasis meets Fuel meets like late Silverchair. And then you have Never Thought I Would that sounds like it could be the baby of Creed and Nirvana, like good Creed, and we all cared about them. Uh, so my point is, is that you have these influences that are on display either intentionally or unintentionally. Are you happy that this record is so diverse in that way? And that, you know, can the listener... You know, listen to that song. And go, oh, I know. I realize where they're pulling this from. Like, you cool with that? Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Um, I mean, we are what we what we listen to, right? Musically, I, I guess. Basically, uh, it's funny you mentioned a silver chair because every time I listen to this, I have the the same feeling. Right. You know uh, that middle part. Yeah, for sure. Louise is a huge fan as well, and um, I, I think it's funny because pages it ended up sounded like Red Mosquito. Uh, but it was uh, it was just me and a, and a guitar at first, just just like the other songs that I wrote, just me and acoustic guitar and songs. They tend to be slower when I'm when I'm playing them, uh, and then the band comes in and then it changes. That's the process. That's how it is, right? Yeah. Um, but pages. I remember when I wrote pages, I was listening to. Uh, she's an indie artist. Her name is Jamie. I don't know if you've heard of her, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, she she has very good songs and it's just her and the guitar and i was listening to her listening to her a lot at the time and um drive home in the rain is uh me my glenn hansard face you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> was my glenn hansard face i was listening to i still do but th- at the time it was all i was listening to i love the and, harmonizing uh, with the vocals and the guitar in that there's the, the, yes there's great stuff yes in that track and if you th- if you listen closely, you you think Nick and Gabriel they all they do all the voices, uh, but you can listen to Luis singing uh, th- that uh, as I Finally. drive as I drive. <laughs> he was there, and he asked, "Can I sing a little bit?" We said, "Come on, man, <laughs> yeah. just go." And then if you listen closely, <laughs> if you right, listen closely, Luis is mankind. <laughs> exactly. There's even Sergio's dad singing this song, isn't it? Oh, even Sergio really? singing the last yeah. one. 
one, isn't it? No, we didn't want him to, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was the producer. He could do whatever he wanted, right? Yeah. So, and that that song has a lot to do with a Wagner Mora. Wagner Mora. Wagner Mora. Wagner Mora is an actor here in Brazil. Uh, Wagner oh, Mora. Sure, Wagner Mora, of course. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, he, like he was there. But guys, <laughs> sorry, man. There's this, this one thing. It was it was not intentional. All those influences, we we don't think about them when we are when we are, uh, I don't know, writing music. But I guess there was one thing that we were kind of in the same page was to make a classic rock sounding album. So uh, there's a lot of influences. It's cool that you mentioned Jason that that the album has has grown into you. Right, that you had different nuances and different perceptions each time you listen to it. Yeah. So maybe maybe this is the the intentional part to have different layers of uh, influences and uh, nuances, as I said. But uh, all those influences, not intentional. It's just something that each one brought to the table. You know. Yeah. So just sticking with this this song, since you you brought this one up here. Um, drive home in the rain. I mentioned the harmonizing, but you know, Jason, Jason piggybacked off something Sergio had said where where Sergio had said that sirens was, was essentially the new black in the Pearl Jam catalog. And Jason was telling me off mic, he said, no, this song drive, drive in the rain, drive home in the rain. This is the the next black. You know what I mean? I thought it was a really great compliment there. Uh, You've got some like uh, great guitar. solo. you got three of them, I think in this track, uh, multiple guitar solos. You have the introduction with the the piano, the wonderfully welcome addition with the uh, organ as well. Uh, curious though, is there a personal connection, Lenny, with this song? And is it about the same subject as before, like say Disarray, for example? Well, I I would say that it has a connection with uh, with Pages and uh, Penguins or Butterflies. It has. Uh, they're all they're all from from the same, you know time and situation beginning of relationships and uncertainty and uh when it, where, where's this going am i doing this right uh not labeling what is going on and you know it's it's all about uh being afraid uh these three songs i, I would say this array i would have to to pass that to nick because he wrote that one ah. but i think it's like it's right there it's right there i think it's you know nick <laughs> tell me about your song <laughs> so, Save me. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. This array was written. This array was written back in 2017, and actually, to be honest, I wasn't thinking about. Uh, as as I said previously, I was not thinking about uh, uh, actually a, a motive for this song. I was thinking about how could people uh, listen to that song and 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 sing with us. And after we, uh, after I had some, I figured out how to to make uh, uh, how to make the lyrics sound like, and that's why uh, the first part came to my head was "She is in love," which is a very easy thing to sing. Then I started to to think about, okay, so now I have a I have a phrase right here, just a small phrase. How can I uh, <laughs> how can I develop this this song from this part? And that's what I, I done. Uh, I actually was not thinking about actual, uh, a motive about it, but it ended up uh, sounding like a song that everyone uh, may 
Eight inch so, so Nick, did, did you write some of the lyrics on the album as well? Yeah. Half of it. Half, Half of the it. lyrics. Yeah. Yes. Uh, auto theory, uh, divide, uh, disarray, disarray of the light. And wow. Yeah, of the light, yeah. Nick is the existential lyrics type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the drummer, correct? Yeah. yeah. And the drummer. It's like he, he's literally like one pop note away from a Phil Collins. Nick in the air Ooh. tonight. Yes. I love it. <laughs> That's outstanding. Well, I'll, I'll be more than glad if I could be at least 10% of Phil Collins' uh, <laughs> legacy or even New Perk legacy. <laughs> Let's hope it goes away. Yeah. Well, something in, in Disarray that we were talking about it that, that is a major theme there, and I've seen it throughout in, in the album, is layering. Um, there is so much going on all the time. There's there's an attention to detail that rivals the highest charting rock albums to me. So who is responsible for, for this? Is it everybody? Is everybody kind of finding a little ingredient to add to the musical stew? Like, And how do you know when to stop adding little nuggets and little layers to the song? When is it done? Luis? <laughs> Man, I would say the hardest part is to know, is to, is to not overdo it, Right. It's to know uh, when when it's when you should just keep it to yourself and not just be all over the place. And uh, it's really hard to get to this to this point where where you where you know you have information that you know you have things that you want to show. But it's I mean I can only speak for myself. Uh, I try to always make the the vocals look good. So I try to hit in between Lenny's sentences, right? So sometimes there's, there are too many layers and a voice on the top of it, and it just doesn't sound good. Sometimes you just take it all out and leave the vocals with, uh, with just, uh, just the chords, and it's perfect. And it's really hard to get to this, to this point in a song, right? And uh, I mean, not not just for this album, but in a general way, as a musician, uh, you gotta you gotta learn how to how to be in there with everybody else, not on the top of anybody, or you know, sounding too different from someone else. Because there's this too. Uh, we have all kinds of influences, and sometimes I want to play something like John Mayer, and Nick has a a Mastodon kind of drum feel or Opeth kind of drum feel and it just doesn't work out. Yeah. What I think works well with you guys is the lack of ego where you see how each of you compliments one another and you're willing to, to, to make those types of compromises so that the song can realize its ambition. And I think that that is not only what I think is partly what makes you a great Pearl Jam tribute band, but it's it's what's going to continue to make you a great band. Period. Thanks, man. That's awesome. I, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, thank that, you so much. I, I mean, of course, of course, there is ego everywhere. Every, everywhere. Sure, sure. Yeah, you got ego, you know, yeah. but. That's cool that you said that, Paul. Like that one guitar solo is obviously better than the other two, right? <laughs> 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 
Oh, well, no, it's funny. I, I was talking. Thank to God, there's only one drummer in the band. Thank God. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say something. Uh, Sergio, Sergio is a good defender of the songs. Let's be honest here, right? Uh, he's the producer, and he when when he thinks it's done. Uh, he, he fights for it. He I says, was no, this about be a little, yeah. yeah, this is a little too much. Let's not do that. You know, every now and then I say, hey, we should add vocals here and there. He says, no, no, dude, believe me, it's it's working. This is it. Uh, and I say, well, maybe that backing vocal is not, we could like, uh, you know, crank it up a notch. And he says, no, 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 it's cool. But, you know, just just trust me. And uh, that's what I what I what I have in mind. No, he knows what he's doing. Right. And uh, I think we all we all agree. Uh, with his ways of uh, producing our material, you know, because it's his baby too. You know, he he wants it to uh, to to develop well. So um, the ego really is not there. None of us. I mean, of course, we want to. We want to. I want. I want to sing better than the previous session. That's if I if I'm fighting against somebody, it's me. I'm fighting against me because I didn't like that one. So let's do another one and then another one. But uh there's I don't I can't remember any time that we went like oh Luis's guitar is not very good. Uh or Nick's he should he should be doing something here. Or maybe Z Gabriel you could do that it's all we trust each other and uh whatever these guys come up with and the ideas they have and uh, you know it's Every time we're open to uh, to to you know to receive everything that everybody brings in, and uh, not in a way of uh, oh no he's bringing something the song is already finished it's never like that everything that comes to the table everything is uh, well well uh, appreciated basically you know Lenny you mentioned um, always wanted to sound better when it comes yeah. to to your lyrics. It, it it's interesting because Jason and I were having a conversation where he pointed out that that he felt that for a guy who sounds a lot like Eddie Vedder, you don't sound like him a lot on this record, and he thought that that was a good thing. I had a different reaction. Uh, my my first listen, mm. uh, I I actually was listening to it, and, and I thought it was first of all, I loved yeah exactly right. I I love <laughs> the fact that you did sound like Eddie Vedder because it felt like I was listening at certain points to Eddie doing a song I would never hear Eddie do. And it was almost like <laughs> listening to a lost Pearl Jam album that I never knew about there. So, really lost dogs. <laughs> right, the lost exactly. cats, right? The lost cats. <laughs> but what, what I think is cool about it, though, is that no matter how you perceive it, whether whether you listen to the album, and obviously musically you guys have your, your own wavelength going on, but um, in terms of the vocal sound, uh, it, if you love Pearl Jam, you probably love Black Circle, right? And yeah. so if you want, this is just a beautiful kind of extension of what it is that folks love about your voice if, if, if they see that connection. And if they don't, like for Jason, where he says, I don't, I don't hear that at all, th that also works wonderfully too, because now it's like, okay, this is its own thing and it's breathing organically and you don't have to confuse or connect the two and they can just exist and, and grow on their own separately. For me, it was a win-win. It was almost like... Yeah, exactly what I was right. going to say, a win-win. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I guess the, the, the voice is uh, it's similar. It's, it's been similar ever since I was a, a teenager. I mean, I got older and then my voice got deeper. But uh, th there was always a similarity there. Uh, it was uh, at, at the beginning, it was, it was forced. I wanted to sound like Ed when I was a teenager. My biggest idol, and I wanted to sound like him. Uh, but it wasn't in any way intentional ever in any song. But I'll tell you, there were times in which it was sounding too much like Eddie 
And you dialed it back. And the defender of the song, <laughs> Sergio, he came and said, hey, do that one again. <laughs> Instead of going like, I've been using all my matches. And he was like, using all my matches. And he was like, no, that's just, just you know, <laughs> dial it down a little bit. And and I said, okay, cool, cool. But, you know, it's it was never like I wanted to, to, to sound like Eddie because, you know, Eddie's like, Guy, guy's a guy i can never and i want i never wanted it to sound forced i didn't want to, uh and you know the the reaction that people had to creed when they came out it was like oh that's the the guy trying to be ed right ah that's that guy trying to be ed and sounding like and i didn't want that so there were times in which i was like a, it was the other way i was trying to stay away from it but you know i i don't think it's it's uh i can't help but sounding like him you know, in some bits of some songs, but I hope people see what, you know, what you're seeing, Paul, and also what Jason is, is seeing, like uh, what you guys are listening. There is a similarity, but there's also uh, me trying well, to Lenny, right? put my own there's voice you. there. there. There's Lenny right. there. That's that's me following Ed's advice. That's okay. me following Ed's advice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nice. honestly, Disarray, I thought I was listening to a combination of Liam Gallagher and Brett Scallions from Fuel. So like there was like this other vibe Whereas in another song, you had more of that proper Eddie kind of thing going on. But there's this, yeah. this gray area in between that I, I was happy to have something, another facet of Lenny. Because I've heard the Pearl Jam Lenny, which is like right on the mark. And then I hear this and I'm like, oh, it's like a three-dimensional Lenny. Look at this. Amazing. <laughs> so that, yeah. that, that, was my, that was my take on that. But um, what I find interesting about this album, and uh, Sergio was telling me that you guys eventually wanted to get the last two to make it a full proper a 10 song album as opposed to an eighter because i think he mentioned the who fighters as well you finish it with love rain or me a, a cover uh, of the who obviously an, an homage to to pearl jam as well um a tip of the cap if you will um why did you want to include this particular song on, on your debut record can i answer this one you may <laughs> man uh we really want people to understand that we also listen to to classic rock bands and stuff from the 60s and the 70s you know we want people to understand that we're not looking just for the influence but we are looking for the influence of the influence i don't know if this if this makes any sense to you guys so i want to know who is my favorite band's favorite artist you know so uh I guess this is this was one of the main reasons why we chose a song from the Who, you know, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Just to show people that that we also we are we're also we're also looking at the at the older guys, you know. Of course, all, all of the other bands from the seventies are are influences as well, Black Sabbath and Pink Floyd. And uh, Sergio won't shut up about David Gilmore and Pink Floyd. Oh. <laughs> He's got the strat, of course. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean uh, Gabriel did mention that when we asked about influences on, on, the, on the first interview, that he goes back to the bands that influenced that band. So your, your answer completely reminded me of, of that conversation and going back even further to, to the real roots of the music that you guys are now famous for, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, of course, the, the fact that Pure Jam, Pure Jam recorded this song, uh, it only adds up. It makes even more sense, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess this, this was it. I don't know if the other guys have, have anything else to, to add to it. Yeah, I'd just like to say that uh, we used to play this song live as well. But 
not so it's not so common to see this song in our set list and but every time we play this song we all we always felt like wow man this song is so incredible it sounds so well not only with pearl jam or the who and or, or with us as well but this song has a, a huge power and talks about love and talks about everything we want to the world for ourselves I believe it was the the perfect match for the for the album, just to 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 send a clear message to everyone that well we are here, we are here as as friends to give you love. You, and you that's, guys that's are our way to express that. It's a good coda. It is a good coda. Yeah, you guys are here. The album is out. Everybody listening, please go buy this album, stream it, purchase it on vinyl. Go to lenoise.ca. Uh, would love to ask you guys just as a follow up to this release. What are you most proud of about this album? What really stands out to you about the process and the product? I'd love to start with you, Nick, since uh, you, you just finished there. Man, I believe that uh, I believe the 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 things that uh, that make me happiest about this album is that we never lost the the intention to complete it, and uh, so so we started that on to 2017 and be working hard to to have this album done correctly uh we put a lot of efforts and a lot of uh, our energy our love and uh i believe that as i said uh just a few minutes before uh i believe we expressed these these feelings we had along the, this entire album and uh the pandemic it almost Uh, gave us a, a, a unique um, opportunity, not just to to think about other things, uh, but as well to have contact with uh, an idol like Eddie Vedder. And as we added two songs to the to the to the list to the the album list after the pandemic started, so we had a lot of different perspectives, and I believe the the. This album compiles everything we've been through since 2017 perfectly. That's that makes me the happiest uh, guy in, in the world about this album. You'll be dancing. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Luis and Lenny, what what stands out to you guys? What are you most proud of? What what part of the process and the product really really engages? Just to be able to finish it was <laughs> was everything to me. For real, man. Uh, I mean, you, I, I'm pretty sure you guys, you guys know how much effort it takes and how much time and effort you got to put into to just to make, just to make one song go out to the surface. Imagine 10 and they all got to make sense together and there's got to be an artwork and there's got to be an idea behind it. So just I, mean, I, just I heard the, about a band that covered Dance the Clairvoyance in like 24 hours. So I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure you bang this little bad boy out in about a week, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I wish I wish things were this easy. I mean, not not that recording Dance of the Clairvoyance was easy. It wasn't easy at all. Of course. I mean, I mean, you you, you get the point. Just yeah. say But, it. Uh, we'll lie to everybody. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but just to be able to do it ourselves and to be able to cover all the costs from from ourselves, you know, and uh, just I, I wanna I wanna look at it. I, I haven't been able to to look at the vinyl yet. Like 
to just grab hold it, it, touch it. It's real, it. right? Yeah. You know, so be I'm a magical moment, my friend. Oh man, Lenny. <laughs> That that's gonna be about two months for us, right? Everybody will be listening to it, <laughs> unboxing it, taking pictures, and you know we're gonna be getting the the records by the end of the year probably. It takes a long time to send something from the U.S. to Brazil, about you know minimum of forty five days. But um, well, for me it was uh, it was three things. Uh, first, the artwork. I'm really happy with the artwork. I think it, it looks it looks beautiful. It looks the way we wanted it to look. Uh, we we sat through meetings. We, we, we had meetings about it, uh, long meetings, ideas. And uh, that was I think that was as hard as uh, uh, well, recording the songs is hard, but deciding on art like the artwork, right. what, it, what it should look like. It's it's really, really tough. But we got there. You know, we got there. Um, that was the, f the first thing. The second thing is, uh, well, it was my first record ever. The, the first one that I recorded, you know, so I've never, I had never done that before. You know, I've been a musician since I was 17, uh, but never happened for me. I never had a, a band that was as serious as Black Circle. So it was my first album ever. Uh, and the third one is that, you know, I, I got to record a song for, uh that i wrote to my dad and uh it's it's gonna be there forever it's recorded and uh in in a certain way i, I can have him you know i can listen uh, every time i listen to the song it's gonna be there with me and not only that uh i hope that song connects me you know the song connects to people who have been through the same thing so they they will listen to the song and they'll they'll relate and uh i hope it brings them uh you know good feeling feeling of, of hope and of you know someone out there understands what they're going through so uh i guess that that's the most important one for me being able to write a song about such a such a terrible moment of my life and uh you know have it there forever in in a record one of the greatest things we we talk about when it comes to pearl jam is their ability to write a song that is played or performed to us at us but it feels like they're listening to us at the same time and that's what you've done with a number of these songs including i uh, never thought i would so it's tremendous guys you are the kings of live live streams you had the 10 29th anniversary uh live stream just recently surely you're gonna do like a uh, let's play the entire album straight through live stream right just for the friend the people to come out there and support right they're gonna do that right yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah. I, I've willed it into existence. Um, again, another huge thank you. Um, Absolutely, and congratulations. Uh, and congratulations. This album is is terrific, and I everybody again go out there, buy this thing, stream it, buy the vinyl, whatever you got to do. Um, harass them on Instagram to get some merch because I know the store is down right now, but we're, they're gonna get it back, baby. And uh, get yourself a t-shirt and a hat and all that good stuff, guys. Once again, Black Circle, Lenny, Luis, Nick, uh, thank you for joining us. No, thank you, guys. It's been amazing. Once again, you guys are you guys are awesome. And it's a true pleasure to be here tonight. And I hope that we can have more interviews like this one uh, after live sessions, once we release the second record, maybe next year, who knows? <laughs> Fireside chats with Black Circle. I love yeah. it. Looking forward yeah. to it. Quarterly check-ins. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thanks for the opportunity. It was a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you so much for the opportunity, man. Uh, we really like this space to to 
talk about the things we're doing, you are very gentle to, to have us. Thank you so much. Yeah, guys, thanks a lot for the opportunity. And uh, I would like to say two things. Uh, the first one, can I, can I go? Absolutely. The, the stage yeah. is yours. All right. So the first one is that we're going to have four music videos coming up. The first one's coming out today Ooh. with the album. It's, it's from the Never Thought I Would song. And uh, all of them were directed by Rafael Medeiros. He's a, he's a great friend of mine. And we all recorded them in one day. So four music videos in one day. It was, it was, it was hard. But uh, we made it through somehow. And uh, I would like to tell you a quick story, a quick funny story. If you guys think it's useless, you can just edit it out. I'm not editing anything, baby. This is all you. Okay, cool. So uh, a few weeks back, I was going to the skate park here close to my place. And I was, I was with uh, Rafael, the guy that... <laughs> That's a good story. That's a good story. <laughs> yeah, the guy that directed our videos. And uh, we were just about to get to the skate park. And we, we got pulled over by cops. And, uh, you know, it was, it was okay, but it's never a really comfortable situation, right? So one of them was being really polite, asking for IDs. The other one, not so much. And, uh, and it slowly, there's a situation that starts building that you're like, oh, fuck, man. Here I am just with this, with this guy just looking, at, looking through my stuff, trying to find something. Okay. And people, people are just walking around. And all of a sudden, one of the cops is like, hey, are you a musician? I'm like, yeah. He's, you're from the band Black Circle, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, 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 let the guys go, okay? <laughs> yes. I'm like, what? <laughs> so the cop, the cop knew the band. He was actually a fan. So I'm like, hey, dude, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing for me. So uh, what's your name? He said his name. And I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Luis. He's like, yeah, I know who you are, kid. <laughs> I was like, man, if the That's cops a, you, are starting to arrived. recognize me. You yeah. have arrived. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I'm going somewhere. I'm doing stuff. You're not going to jail. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? That must mean something. Yeah. I was too happy about it. I don't know. I don't know if, if it even makes sense to you guys, but it, I was too happy about it. I don't know why. That is yeah, so you, good. You'd be producing Jailhouse Blues if that didn't happen. Yeah. So it's well, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> what, whatever the whatever the version of Folsom Prison Blues would be in uh, in Brazil. I don't know. <laughs> True. We'll we'll have more stories next time with Black Circle, but uh, until <laughs> the next episode, everybody, you've been listening to the State of Love and Trust. Yeah.